KDXI St. George, Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. And we welcome you to the Extraordinary Talk Show, a show to help you understand yourself and the world from a new perspective. And in the process, help you find your own personal extraordinary. And now your host for the Extraordinary Talk Show, Della Hill. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Happy Wednesday on the Extraordinary Talk Show with your host, Della Hill. I would like to welcome you to all the ways you might be listening to my show today. First of all, you might be listening live on the radio here in St. George. Maybe driving home from work or cruising around with the kids. And if so, hi there. You might also be listening on Spotify or any other of the podcast apps available because it's really easy for me to put the audio from this into one little funnel and it puts it into all of the podcast apps and all those things available. So it should be pretty easy to find me. One other place you can find me right now is live on Facebook on the Radio St. George Facebook page. And if you go there, you get to see me because that's actually video, not just audio. So we've been running a theme in the last few weeks. I don't know if you guys feel the theme because I, I feel like a good television show has a good theme that runs throughout the series. But if you only see one episode, you're not going to miss anything. And I hope that that's what you're getting here. Like always, let me start by assuring you, informing you that I'm not trying to tell you what to think. But I am desperately trying to get you to think for yourself. And along with that, I ask that you please do not believe anything that I say just because I said it. If, however, something that I say rings a bell inside of you or sparks curiosity within you, please follow those things. And if you find something that feels true and rings true for you, that resonates within your soul, believe that. So today I want to talk to you about things that we're blind to that we don't even realize. We've been talking about cultural narratives and scripts that we fall into that we don't even realize that we're falling into. And I want to give you an example of some of those that you may possibly have been falling into your whole life and not even realized it, along with everybody else, so don't feel bad. And also remind you of the steps to see out of the narratives that I might point out to you and any others that you might think of. First of all, let's remember that any cultural narrative that is intended to control, and let's remind, remember guys, the word culture, first half of that word is the word cult. All right. There are cultural, even cult-like narratives that we follow in our daily lives. What are the signs of a cult narrative or a control narrative or a socially controlled narrative or whatever, however you find it. One is that there's limited solutions and options. As narrow as the solutions can be, the better. If you can get it down to one solution or if the cult leader who's selling the story can get it down to one solution, this is the one thing you have to have. This pill, this book, this church, this political party, this one thing is the thing that you have to have in order to succeed. And if not, you better be scared. So there's limited options, and if these options don't work, there's fear in place. Instead of considering other options, 
we're just going to be scared. If this one doesn't work, instead of looking at other things that might be useful or helpful, we're just going to tell everyone else how scared they should be. And so that goes to one of the next parts of a socially controlled narrative is that it pushes fear. Now, I believe every single person has a right to their own emotions and feelings. However you react when a situation happens, you have a right to that reaction. What you don't have a right to do is push your reaction onto others. If something happens that makes you afraid, you have a right to be afraid. You have a right to your fear. I don't encourage it, but I support your right to have it. What you don't have is a right to push your fear onto me and onto those around you. And what I hope you do when you are struck by something that causes fear or any other automatic emotional reaction is recognize that that is your organic reaction because that's what you've been trained to do. How you just reacted is how you've been trained to react. Unless you have thought through it and made up your mind about what the appropriate reaction to that situation should be for you. Um, for example, you see something that makes you unhappy. It's, it's that easy. Um, and you're, you have an automatic emotional reaction. You get upset, you get angry, you get tearful, whatever it is. And then later you take the time to think about it. Why did I have the reaction that I had? Was that a valid reaction? Was that worthy? Was this situation worthy of this emotional reaction? And you can process through that on your own. And then come to what you find your true reaction to be, which is what you believe you would want to do in that situation, not what you've been automatically trained to automatically react to do. I'm getting off topic because I do that. Uh it comes down to you have a right to your emotions. You have a right to your fear. You do not have a right to push your fear onto me or onto anybody else. And when you find someone pushing fear onto other people, that is a sign of a socially controlled narrative. And you need to look really, really carefully at that. Not only pushing fear, but also pushing blame. Anytime somebody is trying to say it's their fault without pointing at any specific person or using any validatable reason but it's it because if you were to come down to it if you were to you're saying you're pointing at a crowd and saying it's their fault you could pick any one person out of that crowd and it's not their fault but a cultural narrative classes people together it's the republicans or the democrats and let's sit here let's sit here across this fence and just point fingers at each other also along with the narrowed options one is best like the the culture the cult leader only wants to give one solution if that's at all possible if he has to he will give options because some people need options but rather than say well what do you think the options should be a cult leader will say okay do you want to go right or left do you understand the huge difference there a leader who loves you when you say this solution isn't working a leader who loves you will say well, let's sit down and talk about some solutions that might. A leader who doesn't respect your independent thought, instead of doing that, will either respond in anger because you dared to question 
or will then say, okay, 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 you need, you need options. I get it. You need options here, right or left. That's easy. There you go. And last week I talked about making decisions. Making decisions is difficult. Making decisions requires emotional effort. I literally had a friend recently tell me, I'm too tired to decide. You just pick because I can't. Making decisions isn't easy. And so we want things to be easy. I do. I tell people all the time, I'm not lazy, but I am a convenience enthusiast. I want to find the easiest, most energy efficient way to do a thing. I, and if you say, if I say I have this problem and you say, oh, you can solve that problem by either going right or left. That makes my life easy. And I'm guessing if similar things happen for you, it's probably the same. We want it to be easy. I don't have time to know everything and weigh every cost of and every benefit of every single decision I make. I need to be able to trust other people at some times to give me some guidance. The problem there is when we only have very limited options for what we're actually given to choose from. Like I said, a leader who loves us would sit down and say, all right, I, I can see that this option isn't working for you. Let's talk about what do you think some other options would be. A leader who loves you would encourage you to think for yourself in that situation and not just walk a railroad path that either goes straight or splits. <clears throat> now, that's some elements of a cultural narrative. So here's one that we have in America and most people in America buy into this cultural script. I can only assume because it's what I see around me and it's what I see in, on TV and in movies. And that is a storyline set up for us of what our romantic relationship should look like. Now, an interesting thing about cultural narratives is there's subcultural narratives and there's cross-cultural narratives. You might be born into a subculture that practices a arranged marriage and that's just what is expected of you and whether anybody asks you or not. You might be born into a, a culture where you're expected to be one of multiple wives and you don't get to complain about it. Or you might just be born into a, a culture where the expectation is that you're going to get married, it's going to be a heterosexual marriage, and if you do anything other than that, people are going to look at you a little bit funny. Now, this is a cultural narrative that I was born into. I was born, when I, certainly when I was born, my parents expected that I would be married in 25 years or less. And so that was the expectation that was placed on me, was that that was what I was going to do. I was going to grow up, I was going to find a man, and I was going to get married, and I was going to be a mother. And that's what I was told I was going to do. That was the narrative that was set up for me. Ask yourself what narrative was handed to you about what your relationships, love life, and marriage, and long-term relationships should look like. It was probably a little bit different than mine, but 
you were certainly handed some relationship expectations as an infant when you were born a decade and a half before you might even be having any romantic relationships or more than that, you were already saddled with what your family and close society and culture expected your relationships to look like. And then if you did anything different from that, that's what we call the fringe, guys. Because the narrative gives us a couple of answers, a couple of solutions and if you can't follow those, if you want to take a U-turn or forge a new path, that's called the fringe. And that's not looked on kindly by the masses, right? The masses kind of want you just to agree with them. And the cult leader wants you to agree with the masses because the masses are generally following the cult leader. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm getting off on my own tangents in my own head. What relationship expectations were you given early, early on in your life? And what expectations were you, did you notice as you grew up and maybe somebody told you these things, maybe somebody said, it's okay to do this, it's good to do this, it's not okay to do this. And maybe you just noticed the way people were treated if they did anything other than have a heterosexual marriage. Because in much of the culture, not all, much of the culture that I have spent my life in, um, anyone who dares to have sex outside of marriage is shamed and guilted. Because that doesn't fit the, that doesn't fit the plan. That doesn't fit our the narrow solution that we were handed. Anyone who oh dear dared to be homosexual or bisexual, my goodness, that certainly absolutely did not fit in with the story that was laid out for us. And there's been a lot of, a lot of gay people over the last 50 to 100 years who have done a heck of a lot of work to open up people's minds and to change that narrative to realize that there are more options than heterosexual marriage. But do you see what happened when gay people first started making those efforts? They were shamed. They were beaten. They were murdered. How dare you tell us that anything else other than what we're already doing might work? Never mind that what we're already doing isn't working very well because there's a lot of really unhappy people. We don't want any new answers. We're just going to bang our heads against the wall harder. And so I give a lot of credit and a lot of the gratitude to the gay people and those that supported them in opening up the cultural narrative, in teaching people that there's more than singular options and that even there's more than binary options. And let's look at relationships, guys, because I've been studying relationships quite a bit lately. We think of, and this is part of our cultural narrative, that we think of our relationship that you get one, you get a romantic slash sexual relationship, hopefully your marriage. Um, guys, here's an example of one cultural narrative that I was, that, that I grew up with. I was actually told that a single man over the age of 25 is quote, a menace to society. 
unquote. In the culture I grew up in, being single was not respected. Not if you just wanted to be single. Not if you were divorced and single. Pretty much the only way for it to be okay single as an adult is if you were, if your spouse died, if you were widowed. That was the only way to maintain full respect as a single person. And I, and in some areas it was more intense than others. Some places and people were more loving than others. But I saw that across culture, not just in my own. Have you noticed that in our culture, that being single is somehow shameful? Have you ever wanted to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend not because you wanted the company, but because you wanted to fit in socially? Wouldn't it be great if our culture let us be comfortable in or out of those kind of relationships and accept ourselves as we are and not think that there's anything wrong with us just because we're not in a relationship? Because nobody says you have to be. I mean, they might have told you you have to be, but you don't have to listen to them. As a matter of fact, and let me give you some more eye-opening things that maybe you haven't considered before. Some people, you've heard of people who possibly are asexual, meaning that they have no sexual or very little sexual attraction, that they're not interested in sex, that's not a drive that they have a lot of internally. And then there are also people who are aromantic, meaning that they don't experience romantic love. They don't fall in love the way that other people fall in love. They have the ability to care deeply. It's not that they don't care deeply, and they even love, but it's not that kind of romantic, hearts-in-the-eyes-goo-goo-gaga kind of romantic thing that I think most little girls dream about. Now, does that mean that people who are asexual or aromantic can't have wonderful relationships? Absolutely not. But it means that they might get to tailor their relationships, not the way that our subculture and story would have told them to, but the way that they choose to because it makes them happier. For example, have you ever heard of a platonic nesting partner? I love the term platonic nesting partner. PNP. A platonic nesting partner is usually an adult, someone that you live with, share a home with, because it benefits your lives to share a home, but not because you're in a romantic or sexual relationship. It's someone, it might be a best friend. For many people, it's an ex. Maybe they got divorced and don't want to live together as a married couple, but they still want to be in the home for the children. And then they might even have separate parts of the house or different bedrooms or whatever, but they get to decide that. And I love this. And it goes back to I'm, Monopoly rules because you get to decide what your house rules are. The Monopoly game comes with a list of rules because they made up the game. However, you can change the rules. In fact, if you put money on free parking and land on that, you get, if you land on free parking, you get to take all the money in the middle. That is not actually in the rules. If you read the actual Monopoly rules, that is not in it. That is a house rule that people have added because they want to. If you want to make it $500 to pass go instead of 200 you can do that. The idea is just when you sit down at the table, let everyone discuss and agree on what the rules are, 
then everyone plays the game and has fun together. Cheating is when you break the rules. But if you don't break the rules, it's not cheating. And you have the ability and permission to change the rules. You can change the rules of Monopoly and you can change the rules of your life and you don't have to live according to the relationship subculture that somebody else handed you. What are some other relationship fringe ideas? Some fringe relationship ideas. Well, you have your person, your people who are asexual. They make great platonic nesting partners. Then you, if you want to look at, you've got your heterosexual people, which is what statistically the majority of people are. And it's what we were kind of expected from birth to be. Whether you were or not, that's kind of what you were probably expected to be. And maybe nobody asked you ever. And if they did, good on them. But it is possible to have romantic relationships between men and romantic relationships between women and it's possible to have sexual relationships that are not romantic and it's possible to have romantic relationships that are not sexual. There are no end of combinations of how you can arrange your relationships and how you can write your own rules. One core piece of being happy in your life is finding the things that make you happy and their kinds of relationships that you want to have is one of the biggest things that will bring you joy or not in your life. And it's important, guys, to live your relationships according to, first of all, what you want, and secondary, what also serves your partner. But if it doesn't serve you first, it's not going to serve them. And if it serves them before it serves you, it's going to burn you slowly. So, Figure out what you want in your relationships. But guys, also, who says relationships aren't like Lay's potato chips? Why do you have to have just one? Many people are monogamous. They want to have that one person in their life that makes them happy. Many, many people are monogamous. And just like it used to be thought that being gay was a choice, some people still have not considered enough to realize that polyamory versus monogamy is also not necessarily a choice that someone can be born with an inner desire for one or the other. And our culture doesn't like that. Our culture wants us to stick to the narrow ideas of monogamous relationships. And even though it's opened up to even homosexual relationships, there's still an expectation for those to be monogamous. And if you're on the fringe, if you're, if you're not following one of the narrow paths, people point and shame. But there are many, many people who are polyamorous, who do not feel that they can limit their love to only one person and feel that it's actually being dishonest to try to because that's not something that they're ever going to succeed at. It's not fair to the person that they're trying to be monogamous with when they're not monogamous, just like it's not fair to a man to be married to a woman who's actually gay. It's not fair to him either. They both need to live their lives the way that they choose. And guys, just like always, I am not telling you what to do. I'm absolutely not telling you what to do. But please, please, please think about some relationships. Think about the ones in your life and think about if there were some really crazy, weird ideas and thoughts that you could try that might make your relationships even better by stepping outside of the norm.
by trying something new that you never thought of before. Or just, just consider it. Because you can't change anything in your life until you change your thoughts. So you might want to start by considering some new thoughts. If you want your life to change. I did. I started thinking some new thoughts and my life changed. And honestly, guys, it's pretty awesome now. I love you. I'll be back next week. Happy Wednesday. You've been listening to The Extraordinary Talk Show with Della Hill. Search YouTube and Facebook, Spotify, or Podbean for video and podcasts of this show. Or go to RadioStGeorge.com. We'll see you next week for another edition of The Extraordinary Talk Show.